Good evening, Hampton Roads. Welcome to another edition of Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zibna, alongside me as usual, CFP Allison DeBrill. Together we come to you live every second and fourth Tuesday of the month to dialogue with you, take your calls. If you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, then we'd love to hear from you. All we need is your first name, city you're calling from, and no matter what Allison and I are talking about, if it's important to you, it's important to us, we'll get you right on air. 627-7979. That's 627-7979. Wealthway Financial Advisors is the proud sponsor of Dollars and Common Sense. We are an independent registered investment advisor, which means we're legally held to a fiduciary standard to put a client's interest ahead of our own in any business dealing. And that's the way it should be when you work with a financial advisor. As the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. So by design, we can't work with everyone. We work with a relatively small group of high net worth individuals. But that's one of the reasons we feel so strongly about coming here every second and fourth Tuesday at 6 p.m. And that's to reach out and help as many people as we can in the Hampton Roads listening area achieve your measure of financial success. Because it is a core belief at Wealthway Advisors that the overwhelming majority of people in this country have the opportunity for financial security if they choose it. And it's a choice because it takes some time, it takes some effort, and it takes some knowledge. We are here to help. You got to take that first step, though. Pick up the phone. Give us a call, 627-7979. Whether you want to talk about anything having to do with the investment markets, the economy, uh, insurance products like life insurance, health insurance, property casualty, taxes, tax planning, tax reduction strategies, retirement, retirement planning, retirement plans, 401ks, 403bs, TSPs, IRA, Roth IRAs, mortgage options, social security claiming strategies, or estate planning, wills, and trust. All that and more falls under the umbrella of personal finance we are here to discuss tonight. 627-7979. Good evening, Allison. Good evening. Not that I want to rush summer or anything, but I thought we would talk about uh, a topic that is starting to pop up here this time of year because uh, it is getting to be back to school time for mm-hmm college students. Mm-hmm. I know people, our clients are starting to make tuition payments. And um, and so I thought it would be a good time to talk about how to fund college and college tuition. Fantastic. I am looking forward to making my daughter's tuition payment on August 20th. I was going to say <laughs> congratulations to you because you got one done now and only one left to go, right? One oh, done-ish. And the other one, working a rising senior, so one more year. You're close. Yeah. Very close. close. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's the end of dependency, right? No, (laughs) no. No, it doesn't. That could be a whole separate show, though. That is, yes. Love to talk about how we get our kids off the payroll. (laughs) To launch. Yes. (laughs) Right. I would love to talk about that. A lot of ideas, as long as my wife is not listening. Okay. (laughs) Well, tonight we're going to talk about college funding and some um, ideas and hopefully practical tips on how to approach it. If you are thinking that your child, grandchild is uh, 
a gifted athlete or a brilliant student and is likely to get a free ride. I don't want to be a dream crusher, but 0.3% of people get a complete free ride. So 0.3, that's hardly anybody. So I think in reality, we need to talk about how you're going to fund tuition if you're looking to pay for your child or grandchild. Yeah, so less than 1% receive a full college scholarship. Um, And the numbers are only slightly better for general athletic scholarships. Um, I think you have the most success when it comes to academic scholarships or uh, sometimes... um, Unique skills, I guess, what I would call them. Uh, you know, maybe uh, music, theater, mm-hmm. uh, dance, the arts, mm-hmm. probably. There's also some opportunities there, um, but still very competitive. Depending on, de- depending on uh, a scholarship to uh, fund the majority of higher education is not uh, a strategy that we would recommend. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about expectations versus reality. So uh, some research has shown that families expect that they'll pay 30 to 40 percent out of pocket and that the rest, the rest of the 60 percent will be covered by um, grants, scholarships, gifts, or I guess maybe loans. So people expect to cover about 30 to 40 percent, but reality is that most people are going to need to cover at least 50 percent of tuition costs because grants, scholarships, family gifts, and student loans don't necessarily cover as much as people had thought before they started looking into this. So there's some wishful thinking when it comes (laughs) to college planning. It's like maybe it won't I won't Happen. have to pay as much as I, <laughs> as I think I'm going to have to. Um, but in reality, um, it's at least half, usually 50 to 55% comes out of the parent pocket. Some of that gets uh, shouldered over to the student, which I will say we do think is a, uh, a good idea to help teach the student uh, good financial habits early on in life and then also to get them focused on the task at hand by having some skin in the game and some money on the table. Um, usually they pay a little bit more attention in class and maybe are a little bit more diligent in doing their homework when they know they aren't getting a free ride from mom and dad. True. can be true. Mm-hmm. Depends on the person, yes. I would argue. Well, that's like, <laughs> Depends on of the student. Of course, of course. <laughs> there are those that are self-motivated that don't need that extra uh, help, but for those who don't, we, uh, we usually recommend having giving the child some skin in the game. Okay, as uh, promised, when we get a call on the line, we're going to break and talk to that caller. Right now, we're going to go to Chesapeake and speak with Kathy. Good evening, Kathy. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Hey, good evening. Question on a TSP withholding from the paycheck. So my husband and I are retired babies, and with our extra jobs, we're in a higher tax bracket. But my question is, why am I doing an after-tax contribution to my TSP when I do believe our taxes will not be, we won't be in such a high tax bracket when both of us actually retire, retire? And so the argument's been going back and forth, and I wondered what your opinion would be. Argument between you and your husband or your, you and your husband against somebody else? 
my financial advisor said do do the pre-tax withdrawal because we are in a high tax bracket close to like 38 mm-hmm. percent and we need to bring I, I mean i'm not sure what we can do anymore to bring taxes down considering the withholding went up mm-hmm. so high and it it is one of those things where are we really going to be in this high a tax bracket or a tax is going to go up so much I haven't read the new law. I've heard not very good things about the so-called Inflation Reduction Act. So that's so the financial advisor, he's not strong on it. He's just recommending it. And my husband's like, no, we're going to have to pay such high taxes when we're retired, retired. Just keep pulling it out on your after-tax income. Mm-hmm. Well, it is a it is a good question, Kathy, because uh, the decision revolves around some unknowables. You know, we don't know, like you said, what the tax law is going to be in the future, and uh, we don't absolutely know what tax bracket you'll be in in the future. But you can do some pretty good projecting that can get you in the ballpark based on what your retirement income will be and what your required minimum distributions from your TSP will be and whether those are going to be significant enough to push you into a high enough tax bracket. Um, but the I think the crux of the decision is, you know, if you believe you're going to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement, you would want to get your tax deduction today while you're in a high tax bracket, and then plan to have to pay the tax in retirement, hoping that you'll be in a lower tax bracket. That's exactly what I I thought. And I do appreciate both of you and also the college comments because we just lived through all that. And what people can't plan for is all the other expenses, the rent, the utilities, above and beyond tuition so thank you good point yeah right. thanks for the call kathy we appreciate it 627-7979 if you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation yeah when it comes to making pre-tax or roth contributions in a 401k plan or the tsp plan you basically want to get your tax deduction when your taxes are the highest for most people they are uh they're in the highest tax bracket the late stages of their career. And so that argues for making the pre-tax or deductible contributions to your company retirement plan. Yeah, it can be more nuanced. There can be a reason why if you're in a high tax bracket, you still may choose to make Roth contributions. If you if you have all of your money in pre-tax buckets already, then you may decide to put money in Roth buckets because you may want a little bit of diversification. You want some options in retirement to have a bucket that's tax-free. So you may decide to bite the bullet, pay the taxes on it today, just to have some flexibility down the road. So I have seen that, and I can see where a case can be made for that. All right, we're going to step aside, take a short break. Going to be right back after these messages. If you've got a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, jump on the phone lines, give us a call, 627-7979. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM790 WNIS. Growth with financial advice. 
Your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, you can check us out online at Wealthway Advisors. Dot com. All right, tonight we're talking mainly about uh, college funding or anything you want to talk about. So if you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, jump on the phone lines, give us a call, 627-7979. Kyle and Smithfield, we saw you up there. If you still got a question, give us a call back. Or looks like we're going out to Newport News now. I'm going to speak with Jeff. Good evening, Jeff. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Do we have Jeff? Fully retired, not yes. working a job. Uh, I'm 73. I'm getting Social Security, and it's not enough to pay the bills. And I want to go out and earn more money. And I'm worried that if I earn money, it's going to cut into my Social Security. Is that going to happen? Good question, Jeff. You said you're 73. Yes. Okay, so once you reach your full retirement age, which is different for everyone, but for you would have been probably, you know, 65, 66, once you reached your full retirement age, then you're not penalized for any earned income. Your benefit is not reduced based on any earnings. You can earn as much as you want and keep your full Social Security check with the caveat that it will be subject to income taxes if you earn over a certain amount. Oh, well, uh, everybody gets income tax. I understand that. Uh, I have one more idea for you on the person who was worried about pre-tax and after-tax on, on their savings. Right now, the market is so far down, it probably makes more sense to be putting it in a, a Roth system and going into the... Uh, market because when the market has gains and you and it goes back up in several years that's untaxed earnings whereas mm -hmm. doing it the other way they would into a, a standard Roth the earnings would be taxable yeah I don't think the equation hinges on market performance the market performance is going to be the same whether you make pre-tax or post-tax contributions it's really the tax brackets that's the big driver. And while we know what the tax brackets are today, we don't know what the tax brackets are going to be, say, five years into the future, because that's a decision that gets made by Congress. And so those are always subject to change and that do put a uh, an element of uncertainty into the whole decision making. But we do appreciate that comment, Jeff. Thanks a lot. That uh, good information. Yeah, sometimes I think of it as like, would you rather pay tax on the seed or the harvest? Mm -hmm. And so I am a big proponent of Roth because you're paying tax on the seed mm -hmm. and then the growth, which is the harvest, which would um, in theory be much more over the years, would be tax free. But, you know, it's 
if you're in a really high tax bracket and it, it just depends on the entire situation. It's really hard to give blanket advice. Well, on anything we talk about. So we're speaking in generalities. Yeah, but especially when it comes to uh, contribution uh, between pre-tax or post-tax mm-hmm. dollars in a retirement plan or a lot of times in um, Roth conversions, mm-hmm. um, that's a, it's not cut and dry. It's not as cut and dry as a lot of articles I read try to make it seem. It is not at all. There's a lot more nuance and a lot more complexity involved in in the calculation if you're trying to maximize your overall net worth. Mm -hmm. So it's just something to be aware aware of. Okay, uh, we're going back to Smithfield now. And Kyle, good evening, Kyle. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Hey, uh, so I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. The five-year-old is about ready to to leave private school and go into uh, public kindergarten. So I think my question is, is uh, we're going to have some income that we haven't really relied on uh, too much. How can we best put that to work for his future, whether it's uh, for college or, or some other path that he chooses later in life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. So you said that He's going to go to public school, you think, going forward through K through 12? At, at least for now. For um, now? The plan okay. is to put him in public school. So okay. That, that's the cost of, uh, you know, about $1,000 a month that um, my wife and I were thinking about putting into um, uh, like a five, what is it, a 524. Um, but some of our concern is, is that if he doesn't go to college, uh, what that will look like uh, tax-wise and, and whether we'll be punished uh, with fees or, or something like that when we go to pull it out and use it for something other than college if that was the path that he chose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so good question. So I think you're talking about a 529 plan, Kyle, which is a college yep. savings uh, account, and you can make contributions to a 529 plan. If it's a Virginia 529 plan and you live in Virginia, you get state tax deductions for contributions that go into a 529. Up to $4,000 a year Thank per you. account. And your, you can invest the money in the account. The money grows tax-free. And then if it comes out for higher education expenses, it is tax-free. And higher education expenses are fairly broadly defined now. They include things like trade schools. Um, really, any. it doesn't have to be a four-year university. It can be any sort of higher education. It doesn't have to just be tuition. It can be for fees and expenses and room and board and supply. So it's pretty broadly defined. Yeah, so um, things like um, computer training school, um, sometimes uh, beauty schools, uh, truck driving schools. As lo- So it doesn't have to be college. So that even though we kind of say it for that, it's post-secondary, qualified post-secondary uh, school um, that is eligible for um, student aid under Title IX. So you can actually check this out right now at studentaid.gov. If you have a particular you know, institution in mind, they're all pretty much listed there. But it's much broader than college, num- number one. And then also, yes, the expenses that then it can be used for, tuition, fees, books, room, board, computers, equipment, internet, 
anything to help with the college expenses except for beer and pizza. <laughs> now, if he really doesn't go in that direction at all and there is no secondary education, then you have you still have flexibility. So the money can come out for any reason. You're just going to pay tax on the earnings where it would come out tax-free if um, it was for higher education expenses, or you can transfer it to the younger uh, child and, and they can use the money too. All right, Kyle, we've got to take a break here. we got the news coming up uh, very shortly, so we'll continue a little bit of this conversation once we come back. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM 790 WNIS. back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with ongoing customized financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at wealthwayadvisors.com. Once there, you can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at wealthwayadvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in the dialog boxes, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on this week. And that's all we use your name and address for is just to send you the information that you request. Or if you have more nuanced questions, want to talk to a live human being, give us a call at the office sometime, 456-2200. I want to remind everybody, our next show will be in two weeks on Tuesday, August 23rd at 6 p.m. as usual. But if you can't catch us live every second, fourth Tuesday or our rebroadcast on the Saturday mornings following the show, you can get the show as a podcast. Just search for Dollars in Common Sense wherever you get your podcast. Download us, take us with you wherever you go. And finally, if you're into social media, we are on Facebook and LinkedIn. You search for Wealthway Financial Advisors, press the like button, and we'll be friends. All right, 627-7979. If you have a question or comment relating to anything in your your personal finances, or you want to jump in on the conversation about college funding tonight, we'll be happy to entertain both. Right now, we're going to continue the conversation with Kyle out in Smithfield, who is asking about college funding options for his two young children. Is that right, Kyle? Yeah, that's correct. I, I think uh, the only other two questions, I guess, to follow up with that is is if, if my children decided that they wanted to leave the state of Virginia and go to a university somewhere else or, or trucking school in a, in a different state or, or whatever that may look like, uh, what are the impacts, are there any impacts to contributing directly to the 529 Virginia plan um, that, that would come from that? And then I think the, the follow-up question to that is, is Outside of the 529, what are other steps that, that can be taken to prepare um, as early on as possible for whatever's next in life for them? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll tackle the, the first question, which is easier, is are there any negative impacts when 
if you have a child that goes out of state, I would throw this to Kevin because he, he's got two kids out of state. But <laughs> Thanks, kids. Appreciate it. Um, but it, it depends on the college savings vehicle. If you do something like prepaid tuition, then yes, that can cause um, a little more complications if you go out of state. Or it would limit the, the value of the right. prepaid tuition program that is under the Virginia 529 umbrella. It's under Virginia College America, yeah. uh, College Savings Plan, but yeah. an actual 529 savings account is not state-specific in terms of where the student goes. The only state-specific part of the plan is that Virginia's plan offers the state tax deduction for Virginia residents and each state has their own plan and you can go invest in like the Oregon's plan if you think that Oregon has a great plan you just won't you might probably not get a tax benefit from doing that but it has no relationship to where the child actually goes to school and we're fortunate enough that Virginia has one of the best uh, 529 plans in the nation. So there, you really don't have to look much further than that. And yes, uh, there's sort of like two different types of programs. One is the prepaid tuition, which we generally don't recommend. <clears throat> and then the other one is the Virginia Educational Savings Trust, which functions a lot like uh, a TSP or 401k is you put money into it. You can invest uh, into the plan. There's no guarantee what you're going to get on the back end. But if you have a long enough time horizon, and you do with your kids at five and three, that if you started now, um, you're looking at 15 years for one and about 18 years for the other, um, where that money can grow. And then you have total flexibility of where you use it. It does not have to be state specific there. So does that make some sense, Kyle? Yeah, I think that's I think that's perfect. That's what I was looking for. So just to clarify, is, is there's a prepaid Virginia plan, and then there's just the, the regular 529, which encompasses um, like a tax deduction, and, and you can earn, or you can um, have it invested, and it will grow over time right. and, and not be punished, I guess, if they were to leave the state. Right. You got it. Yep, that's mm -hmm. correct. Yeah, and so we like the 529 savings plan. We just, we caution people about um, overfunding them. There's a balance. So you want, you definitely want to save. We, we encourage people to start as early as possible saving because time on your side is going to make that much easier. So saving as much as you can now is great, but we would caution against overfunding the account because you can also use other investment accounts to pay for college when the time comes. You may have cash flow that you can use on a monthly basis from your earned income. You may have just regular brokerage investments that you can access without penalty to help supplement as well. And we did talk a little bit at the top of the show about um, scholarships, grants, things like that, or work study, or maybe you're going to choose to have your kids take on a little bit of responsibility and paying. So it's usually, we usually recommend a combination of um, sources and not overfunding the 529 plan. But you do have the flexibility of being able to change beneficiaries on the plan. So in your particular case, Kyle, you probably want to set up one account for your five-year-old and another for your three-year-old. And if it turns out the five-year-old 
um, joined the Navy, never went to uh, institution of higher learning, then you could transfer the funds from the five-year-old to the three-year-old, and hopefully it would get used in that regard. So you do have flexibility there, and it doesn't have to be used up by t- age 22 or anything like that. It's uh, I think we're stretched out to age 30 now. Mm-hmm. Also can be used for graduate schools, um, and it could be passed to a, a niece or nephew or cousin. Well, that's probably not your primary purpose. Just know that it can be done, um, and there's a lot of ways to ultimately try to find a use for those funds. All right. Great. That- Thank you, Dad. I think that that answers everything I have. Okay, Thank Kyle. Thank, for thanks time. for the question. We appreciate it. Six two seven seven nine seven nine. That's six two seven seven nine seven nine. We have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation. Jump on the phone line. Give us a call right now. We're going to go out to Virginia Beach and speak with Larry. Good evening, Larry. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I have. Uh, Double E savings bonds uh, that I bought for my kids uh, 30 years ago. They're ending uh, earning interest anymore. And I was wondering if I could use them for my grandson and uh, would they still be tax free? Uh, yeah, so first of all, so double E uh, savings bonds can be used for any purpose. They don't have to be, they're not exclusive to education, right? Um, but you're saying if they, but if they get used for education, then yes, there is a sheltering of the interest that was earned on them that I don't know off the top of my head, but I think we might be able to find out, um, in a few minutes. Um, so, so as long as they get used for higher education expenses, then there is some protection uh, or some deductibility of the interest uh, on those savings bonds. And it doesn't have to be for your own children. But were you you asking, Larry, about the implications of transferring ownership or or were you just talking about the tax benefits? Uh, Generally just the tax benefits. The tax benefits, okay. Yeah, the interest on double E bonds can be tax free for college if it's qualified educational expenses for the parent or dependent child. So it sounds like it's pretty specific. Tuition and fees towards a degree or certificate program for you, the owner of the bond, or a dependent child. Okay, so I had that wrong. It does need to be a, a dependent mm-hmm. child. Yeah. Okay. Now and you I can think there's an ownership though. And I think there's an income limitation to be able to do that as well. And I don't know. I don't have that yeah, at my fingertips, right. but okay. I'm sure that we can find that. Yeah, it doesn't happen too much anymore. A lot of people did that savings bonds um, as an investment vehicle for college before there was. Uh, a Coverdale savings account, educational account before there was the 529 plans. Nowadays, the 529 plan is far and away the most superior um, savings vehicle for post-secondary education uh, that exists, and Virginia has got one of the best. So it's it's a no-brainer, easy decision. Uh, The 529 plan for most people is going to be their... um, uh, preferred route there. So I guess in your case, Larry, uh, because you didn't use it for your kids, then you might be able to transfer ownership of the bonds uh, to allow it to work for the grandkids. Yeah, I'm 
Um, and I, I would need to look into the specifics on that, but I think that might trigger a, a taxable mm-hmm. event if you mm-hmm. do that. So I would be cautious. And if nothing else, if it's not earning any interest now, which you say is not, and you're and you're not going to use it for education, then just cash them in. I mean, you've already you're not earning any interest. They're not doing you any good at this point. They should be those funds should be used for something. Yep, I'm with you there. Then that and I was just uh, that was my last ditch effort is if I could use it for my grandson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean you can. So it sounds like if it's your grandson, you'd pay tax on the interest but yes you can certainly go ahead and use those funds for anything you want you're just going to owe tax on the interest yeah okay thanks very much i enjoy the show all right larry thanks for the call appreciate it 627-7979 question or comment relating to your personal financial situation jump on the phone lines give us a call yeah so we covered 529 plans which is probably your best bet in trying to save to self-fund education expenses the uh like you mentioned kevin the coverdell education savings account that's kind of going by the wayside because you're it's a very limited use you can only add two thousand dollars a year so that's really not a great option versus the 529 you're really not limited to how much you can put in as contributions, I think the the limit is four hundred thousand dollars per beneficiary, but not many people bump up against that ceiling. And, and nor would we recommend them. To no, do that. no. Um, if you are, you don't have as much time on your side. Well, first, let me just say because we were talking to Kyle, who had the three and five year olds, and he was, you know, looking at starting to save each month. Let's just give you a ballpark of what you might need to save if you wanted to fund, let's call it 100% of expenses of a average public university. And just because you can doesn't mean you should, but <laughs> go ahead with your example. Earlier. Yes, but for example, if you wanted to cover 100% for a four-year public university, you would need to start saving today about $600 a month for a newborn. If it's a five-year-old, six-year-old, it's about $850 a month and so so forth. So the, the older the child, obviously you're playing catch-up, the more you would need to save because you don't have as much time for the invested funds to, to grow and to compound. And I th- we would make this comment as well. Even people who feel very strongly about uh, education – and giving their kids the best education they can and have strong opinions about their children, wanting their children to go to college. These are big numbers um, that you have to sacrifice, that a lot of people will have to sacrifice um, their own financial security, uh, their own retirement, in order to try to max fund um, their child or children's uh, you know, college education. So there are loans, there are scholarships, there is work study for college. There is none of that for retirement. So that's why we often recommend that most people should, without guilt, give their children a financial stake in that college 
education. Uh, it serves multiple good purposes, um, one of which is allowing you some to free up some excess cash flow to ensure that you and your spouse are taking care of yourselves financially for the long term. Yes, and while we're talking about savings and how to pay for college, and I didn't want to focus too much on this because we've talked about this a lot in the past, but another aspect is reducing the cost of college. So that means staying in state versus going out of state. Virginia has wonderful public universities. That might mean choosing community college for just your basic uh, gen eds that you need and mm -hmm. that can save you significant amounts of money doing community college before finishing at a full-time university and, and virginia has a fantastic program mm -hmm. to do two years of community college and then transfer into a two years into virginia public and you graduate with that virginia public it's degree the same degree yeah right so we're talking about savings and how you can get ahead of savings and how you can fund 100 percent, but it should be combined with cost reduction strategies and a conversation with the student about the reality of this investment that you or they or both of you are making all right i'm gonna step aside take one short break we'll be right back after these messages she's allison i'm kevin you're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM 790 WNIS. And welcome back to Dollars of Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner, uh, Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at wealthwayadvisors.com. Once there, you can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at wealthwayadvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in the dialog box, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on this week. Uh, next show will be in two weeks on Tuesday, August 23rd at 6 p.m. as usual. But if you can't catch us live every second and fourth Tuesday, get the show as a podcast. Search for Dollars and Common Sense wherever you get your podcasts. Download us, take us with you wherever you go. And if you're into social media, we are on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can search for Wealthway Financial Advisors, hit that like button, and we'll be friends. All right, 627-7979 if you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation or anything we're talking about tonight, which is college funding. Yes, we've been talking about the main savings vehicles. If you're going to try to hopefully head that off with savings as early as possible, but let's uh, talk a little bit about what maybe not to do. So we've touched on this a little bit, but one of the things I found shocking was this statistic that two out of three parents consider using retirement funds to pay for children's education. Don't do it. And like Kevin said before the break, there are there are other avenues for 
education funding. There aren't a lot of bailouts for retirement. There's not a, a retirement loan program, so to speak. There are so many other negative consequences to withdrawing from your retirement funds for education. Taxes, it's probably going to be a big tax hit. Penalties, if you're under 59 and a half. Not to mention that those withdrawals for, even though they're used for college, they could count against any other aid or help that your student might get. So leave the retirement plans out of the equation and prioritize yourself and your retirement first and then figure out the education equation. Mm -hmm. And there can be other ways if you haven't pre-saved and you you don't want to do 100% student loans, there are other things you can do. You can perhaps access home equity, which was a good idea, a decent idea when interest rates were rock bottom. Now, home equity rates might not be as favorable as getting an actual education loan. If you have a whole life insurance policy, you can use cash value. We're not huge proponents of that being a strategy, a proactive strategy, but if you do have a policy and you don't need it for other reasons, then that could be a use is to use that for education funding. And even though I just said don't take out of retirement accounts, if you're going to do retirement accounts, then you probably want to look at using the Roth because that can come out tax and penalty free. Mm-hmm. But, but pretend I didn't say that. Don't do it. That should be your <laughs> you know, uh, funding source of last resort. Mm-hmm. And usually with loans, I mean, student loans now, um, it does depend on year. But most students, uh, regardless of income, regardless of parent income, um, students are typically all eligible for uh, it totals out to about twenty seven thousand twenty seven thousand five hundred dollars now um, that they can borrow over a four year period. So between that, between some work study, between some parent loans, you're better off actually getting those loans in ma- most cases than taking funds out of retirement accounts. So don't do that. All right. That's all the time. Oh, no, I want to give you this. A little bit of perspective. Uh, current college costs in Virginia, average cost, 25000 for public universities, $25,000 right now. The most expensive, uh, William & Mary, $37,000. And in our backyard, uh, Norfolk State University is 20000 Old Dominion, 22000 And the two biggies, University of Virginia, is about 30000 Virginia Tech, 23000 all in with room and board. That's all the time we have for tonight. Jim in Norfolk, we see you up there. Give us a call at the office, 456-2200. Or for more information about us, check us out online at wealthwayadvisors.com. You can uh, find out a lot more about our fees, our services online. Request that information packet uh, that we tell you what it's like to work with us wealthwayadvisors.com we'll be back in two weeks on tuesday august 23rd at 6 p.m as usual for certified financial planner allison debril i'm cfp kevin zivna you've been listening to dollars and common sense on am 790 wnis the preceding program was sponsored and paid for by wealthway financial advisors we are solely responsible for its content